46 through 52. That is Mark 10, 46 through 52. Uh, we are continuing our study of Mark's gospel. And this evening, we come to the account of the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Now, this is the final healing miracle recorded for us in Mark's gospel. And since this is a miracle text, I need to say many of the same things that I've said in the past when preaching about the miracles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, this is going to be a refresher uh, because most of us have probably, uh, probably forgot some of the important things uh, to consider as we're looking through a miracle text. Um, first, it's foundational for us to recognize that the word miracle is not found in the original languages of the Bible. The word miracle is not there, but what we do read of in the Bible are signs and wonders, right? Signs, wonders, and mighty works. Uh, we just use the word miracle to represent those signs and wonders because they are indeed miraculous signs and wonders. Um, so that said, a miracle is really a sign. And we know that signs point to something greater than themselves. Uh, even in our modern usage, this is true. A sign that reads, Columbus, 20 miles ahead, does not point to itself, right? The sign points to the much greater city of Columbus. Um, and the signs and miracles, right, the signs of our Lord Jesus are no different. They point us to truths that are greater than the miracles themselves. And yes, indeed, as, as amazing as the miracles that Jesus did in Scripture, uh, the spiritual truths are greater than the miracles on their own. So then, miracles are not recorded in Scripture so that we may merely accept them as historical fact, right? Th though indeed the miracles recorded in the Bible really did happen. Um, but miracles are recorded in the Bible in order to instruct us and point us to spiritual truths, right? Every miracle is a sign pointing us to something greater that we need to see and believe. So we're not supposed to read miracle accounts as if we're reading a newspaper, Right? And maybe some of you are guilty of this, because I know I used to be. Right? You read, oh, Jesus healed a blind man. That was interesting. What did Paul say in Romans? Right? Like, you move on. You're like, well, that was an interesting thing Jesus did. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with that. I accept it as a fact. Jesus healed a blind man. That's an interesting story. Let's move on. That is not how we're supposed to read the miracle texts. Right? We're, rather, we're meant to read them and then think deeply on what they are designed to point us to, because they're signs. And Jesus' miracles are designed to point to spiritual truths about him. They point us to things about his person, his character, and his mission. And before you think that I'm just making that up, let me show you why I believe that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, we read this. Peter's preaching his sermon, and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. So Peter says in his sermon in Acts 2 that the mighty works, wonders, and signs, the miracles that Jesus did were done to attest to who he is. That is to prove or authenticate who Jesus is and why he came to earth. So then we can say with confidence that Jesus' miracles are recorded to point us, uh, point us to and reveal to us his person. Right, who is he? Who is he in his person? His character, what is he like? And his mission, what did he come to do? Those are what the miracle texts are meant to point us to. 
his person, his character, and his mission. And this miracle in our text this evening, this sign that we're about to study together is no different. In the healing of blind Bartimaeus, we learn much about our Lord Jesus. The healing of Bartimaeus serves us as a symbol of great spiritual truths. You could even say that it's a parable of sorts, though it really did happen. And what I believe we will see here, by God's grace, is that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, who has compassion for poor, blind sinners and has come into the world to give sight and salvation to all those who will cry out to him for mercy. I think that's what we're going to see this evening. May God help us. So with that said, if you would and are able, please stand with me now for the reading of the inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of God. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Our most merciful God and Father, we come before you now and ask you to have mercy upon us for the sake of your great name. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things in your word. Grant us eyes to see the glory of our Lord Jesus and the salvation and life that he brings to those who look to him. Grant us hearts to believe what we hear from your word. Help us this evening to listen attentively to the preached word and to unite our hearing with faith. We ask for this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, first, I'd like to start by uh, addressing some difficulties uh, between our text and the parallel accounts in Matthew's and Luke's Gospels. If you've read all three, right, this is recorded in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, and if you've read those, you notice that there are some difficulties, right? There are some uh, what appears to be discrepancies between the accounts. Uh, at first glance, it seems as if there are two contradictions between the three accounts. And unbelievers love to jump on this as an excuse to deny the word of God. So what I want to do to start is deal with these difficulties and shut the mouths of those who would speak against God's word. Right? So let's start with this. Uh, the first alleged contradiction is found in how many blind men were present at this event. Maybe some of you have heard this objection. Uh, given by unbelievers who want to try to point out a contradiction in Scripture. How many blind men were present? Well, Mark and Luke tell us of only one blind man who was there, and that's Bartimaeus. But Matthew records in Matthew chapter 20 that there were two blind men. And that would seem like a contradiction on the surface, right? It seems like a contradiction. And it would be 
if Mark and Luke recorded that there was only one blind man there, if Mark and Luke would have said there was one and only one blind man there, this would be a contradiction, but they don't say that. They merely say there was a blind man there named Bartimaeus, not exclusively and only one. And I assume that we are reasonable enough people to understand that if there were two blind men present, then there was certainly one blind man present, right? We, we, have, we can reason through that, right? You don't have to be a genius to see that. If there are two present, then there must be one present, right? You guys aren't stupid. So this is no contradiction. Mark and Luke simply, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, record one blind man being present, probably because he was the most vocal of the two, or he maybe was the spokesman of the two. Uh, but the second alleged contradiction has to do with where this blind man was located, right? And maybe some of you have never thought through this one before. I know that I really didn't until this past week when I was studying. Where was this blind man? Mark and Matthew record that Jesus was leaving Jericho as he met Bartimaeus. But Luke, in Luke chapter 18, I believe it is, said that Jesus was drawing near to Jericho when he met Bartimaeus. Right, this one's more difficult. I can see it on your faces like here. Some eyebrows are raised. This one's a bit more difficult, but there are two possible answers to unknot this tough difficulty. First, the gospel writers could be doing what literary scholars call telescoping a narrative. Telescoping. Uh, that's when you take an event that occurs over the course of a longer period of time, but tell it as if it happened much more quickly because, because you want to save space in your writing. Right. So what could be going on here? is that Jesus walked past Bartimaeus on the way into Jericho, and then Bartimaeus cried out and was healed as Jesus was on his way out of Jericho. But the gospel writers decided to record it all as happening at once for the sake of space in their written accounts. Right? Again, you only have so much space when you're writing something down. They could have done it to save space. It's called telescoping. I don't prefer this explanation, but it's possible. Right? It's a possible one. Uh, the other, and I think better explanation, takes some historical background into account here. At the time of Jesus, there were actually two cities named Jericho. A little fun fact for you. Uh, there was the Old Testament Jericho that we think of normally, right? But it was basically in ruins at this point in history. Uh, but just a few miles south of that, there was a new, very nice city, also named Jericho, that had been built by the Herodians. And both of these cities are on the way to Jerusalem. Where Jesus is heading. You'll remember last week we saw they're heading to Jerusalem now. Um, so that both of these cities are on that journey to Jerusalem. So what's going on here is that Matthew and Mark record that Jesus was leaving Jericho. And he was. That is, he's leaving the old city, Jericho. And Luke records that Jesus was drawing near to Jericho. That is, Jesus was heading toward the new Jericho. So what happened is that Jesus is on the road, leaving old Jericho and drawing near to new Jericho, and he meets blind Bartimaeus. Right? So once again, there is no contradiction here. And maybe you're thinking, this all just sounds like apologetics and stuff. This is dry. Right? First off, know this. There's a good chance someone's going to throw this in your face someday whenever you engage unbelievers. Know that. But I say this to Christians. I, I, I wanted to bring this to your attention because I, I, I want you to know this is the word of God. This is the word of God, and God does not lie. Right? So hear me, if you read the Bible looking for contradictions, you'll find them. Or at least you will think that you've found them at first glance. But when you look a little deeper, you'll find that there is no contradiction at all. The book you hold in your hands is the very word of God, and you can trust it, and you must trust it. 
Right? So that's why I wanted to address those things. But with that out of the way, let's now look at our text and see the glorious truth that God intends us to see. Let's start by considering the blind man. Verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Right? First, it's interesting to note that Bartimaeus is the only person in Mark's gospel who Jesus healed, whose name we have. No one else, we don't know anyone else's name. And some commentators, if some of the early church writings are accurate, claim that Bartimaeus' name was recorded here because he went on to be a fairly well-known disciple amongst the first generation of Christians. So people knew Bartimaeus, so they recorded his name here. And his name Bartimaeus literally means son of Timaeus. Right in the book of Acts, I believe we run into a man named Bar-Jesus. Bar means son of. It's a Hebrew way of speaking. So Bar-Timaeus is son of Timaeus. So Mark's translating it here in this verse for his Gentile audience. But Bartimaeus is really in a bad way when we first meet him in the text. He's blind. He's blind. Can't see anything. And considering that in verse 51 he says, Let me recover my sight. He was not always blind. He was not born blind. He probably, like many in the first century, lost his sight in some way due to his work. And so he went from being an able-bodied man to a blind man who was now forced to beg for his food. His blindness left him a poor beggar. He could not take care of himself. He couldn't provide for himself. He was left dependent upon the kindness of others or he would die. There were no government programs back then to help the handicapped. We could put it this way. This blind beggar was absolutely helpless. He could not fix his situation. He could not give himself sight. If he could, no doubt he would have. He was utterly helpless in his blind state, and so he was in need of mercy. Now, this real historical man, Bartimaeus, serves us as a symbol and picture of the natural man. Right, the natural man, referring to the state into, when, into which all the sons and daughters of Adam are born into. That's all of us, everyone who's descended from Adam. Our natural state is that of spiritual blindness. Until or unless the grace of God comes to us, we are blind to the things of God and helpless to fix our situation. Right? The scriptures often use blindness as, as a metaphor for our spiritual depravity. As the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The natural man is blind and cannot see the things of God. The natural man is dead to the things of God and cannot remedy his situation. Brothers and sisters, because of the sin of our first father, Adam, we are born into this world no different than Bartimaeus. We are spiritually blind, averse to the things of God, hostile to the things of God, without understanding. We're born in the dark and on our way to hell because we cannot and will not see the truth. Because of our sin, we are blind to the kingdom of God, and if we cannot see the kingdom, then we cannot enter it either. You see, sinful man is actually worse than Bartimaeus. Sinners are blind but think that they see. 
That's why Jesus referred to the Pharisees as blind leaders of the blind. Sinners are blind to their sinfulness and their guilt before a holy God. Blind to their need for salvation through Jesus Christ. Blind to their spiritual deadness. Sinners are blind but think that they're just fine, thank you very much, and they have no idea of their sin, their misery, and their need for Christ. Again, sinners cannot see the things of God. They cannot see their need, but they don't realize that they cannot see. And so sinners stand in need of great mercy from God if they are to be saved. I want you to see yourself in blind Bartimaeus. See yourself in him. Apart from God's grace, you are him, a poor, miserable, helpless, blind beggar. And every one of us, to a man, is in need of the mercy of Jesus Christ, or we will die in our blindness and perish under the wrath of God for our sin. But by God's grace, Bartimaeus was not without hope because Jesus passed by. Verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. As Jesus, his disciples, and this great crowd are passing by him, Bartimaeus, either from asking what was going on, remember he's blind, he can't see, or hearing people talking about what was going on, Bartimaeus hears that Jesus was there, very near to him. Now, Bartimaeus had probably heard of Jesus before that day. I don't think that that's a ridiculous inference for me to make. Jesus' fame had spread throughout all Israel. Word had gotten around that Jesus had basically eradicated disease in some towns. Word had gotten around that Jesus, in his works and teaching, had angered the Pharisees and they wanted to kill him. Right? And maybe even a whisper of a word was going around that Jesus very well may be the Messiah that the scriptures have foretold that Jesus was the one whom God had sent to restore all things and save his people. But Bartimaeus had either heard before that day or maybe even on that day he had heard some of these things. That Jesus healed, right? That he had raised a man from the dead on the fourth day. That he had restored mobility to the paralyzed. That he had opened the ears of the deaf and loosened the tongues of the mute. And that he had even healed a man born blind. He heard that Jesus taught about the kingdom of God and that it was being established through him. He had heard that it really seems as if Jesus is the Messiah. And he must have believed what he had heard because of what he says in verse 47. He must have believed. He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus must have been awakened by the Holy Spirit at some point. Because he had faith in Jesus. He cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's a cry of faith. And it's a strong, strong declaration about what he believed about Jesus. You see, Son of David is a messianic title. It's a title used only of the Messiah. The prophets of the Old Testament foretold that there would be a king born in the house of David. That is, a descendant of King David to whom God would give eternal rule and sovereign power. And this son of David would govern the nations and bring salvation to God's people and bring peace and righteousness to the world. Read Isaiah 7. Read Isaiah 9. Read Isaiah 11. Read 2 Samuel 7. It's all in there. This son of David 
was to come into the world to fix everything that was wrong with it. And he would come to put an end to sin. He would come to bless the nations. And his rule would be glorious and eternal. So when Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was declaring what he believed about Jesus. Bartimaeus was in effect saying, Jesus, Messiah, blesser of the nations who was promised to Abraham, world restorer, salvation bringer that Isaiah spoke of, serpent crusher, promised to Eve, savior of the world, king of the nations, Lord of all. I believe that you are him. So hear me. Bartimaeus cried out in faith, and brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is indeed that son of David. That's why Matthew began his gospel with a genealogy, calling him the son of Abraham, the son of David, so that we might believe Jesus is the one that was foretold in the Old Testament who would bring salvation to the world. And in faith, believing who Jesus is, Bartimaeus issued a cry that was very much a prayer. Have mercy on me. This is a petition to God the Son. A prayer for mercy and help. And Bartimaeus cries out with all that he has for mercy. That's a powerful word here. Mercy. It means undeserved compassion. Undeserved. Bartimaeus knows that Jesus doesn't owe him a single thing. According to his own Jewish theology, Bartimaeus probably believed that it is because of his sin that he is blind. And because he is blind, he is undeserving of anything and he is unclean. And so he cries out to Jesus believing that he is a sinner, unworthy of help. He says, have mercy on me. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, Jesus, but would you please help me? Have mercy on me. I believe you can. Please have mercy. Bartimaeus was aware of his need. And he was aware that only Jesus could help him. And that makes Bartimaeus a perfect picture of an awakened sinner, doesn't it? An awakened sinner. That is one who, by the work of the Holy Spirit, recognizes his sin and his wretchedness before God. And that only Jesus Christ can save him. And those are the most basic things that are understood by every awakened sinner under conviction uh, for sin. I am helpless. I'm a sinner who stands condemned. I need mercy. I don't deserve help, but I believe Jesus, the Messiah, can help me. And so the awakened sinner cries out to Jesus for mercy, just like Bartimaeus did. But as beautiful and good as that is, notice how the crowd treated him. Verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. This is a strong rebuke. Some, some translations say, and many threatened him. Right? They, they were threatening him to stop or they would harm him. Now, we're not told exactly why the crowd tried to silence Bartimaeus, but I think there are a few possible reasons. First, maybe they were embarrassed by him. Here's this famous rabbi, Jesus, who's passing by their city, and now this blind beggar is making a scene. Right? And just like often, we don't want people on WSAZ representing our city, but there they are. They don't want Bartimaeus representing their city. So they try to shut him up. He's embarrassing to them. 
Or maybe they believe that Jesus is just too busy for Bartimaeus. Jesus has healed other blind people. He doesn't need to make time for another one. More than that, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where something big is going to happen. So he has bigger things on his mind than some blind man on the roadside. So shut up, Bartimaeus. Leave him alone. Or maybe, as many Puritan commentators say, maybe those who tried to silence Bartimaeus did not like what he was confessing about Jesus. He was calling him the son of David after all. And maybe some in the crowd being influenced by the Pharisees did not want that faith to spread. So they threatened Bartimaeus and demand that he stop declaring Jesus to be the Messiah. But for whatever reason, they demand him to stop crying out to Jesus for mercy. Brothers in Jesus, is this not a picture of the world, the flesh, and the devil? Those who aim to keep us away from the only one who can show us mercy and save us from our blindness and sin. There are many lies and hindrances that are designed to keep us from Christ that many of us are tempted to believe. Things that we're tempted to fall prey to. Things like, he's too busy for you. He's too busy to save you. Or you're not important enough for him to save. He only saves people who will be useful to him. And you are useless. So he will not save you. Or you're too sinful. You've done too much. He doesn't forgive people after a certain threshold. Or maybe, you know, he's shown mercy to others, sure. But he will not show it to you. Or he has better things to do than listen to your cry. Or the greatest lie of them all, he is not the Messiah. And he cannot save you from your sins. To those of you who are tempted to believe such lies, let me encourage you to take a lesson from our friend Bartimaeus. What's he say in our verse? But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He shouted and kept shouting and shouting. The, the, the verb here in the original language means he kept doing it. He keeps shouting for Jesus to hear him and have mercy. He kept believing. He kept believing that Jesus is the Messiah who can help him and he would not be put off. He had a persistent faith. No matter what those around him or even his own flesh said to him, he persistently cried out for Jesus to have mercy. He didn't care what anyone else was saying to him. He just knew that Jesus was his only hope. And so he kept crying out. One commentator put it like this, and I like this. Like a child who keeps repeating the same thing over and over, Bartimaeus kept shouting for Jesus to help him. And that's fitting considering what our Lord says in chapter 10, verse 15, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And here's Bartimaeus repeating himself over and over like a little child. Have mercy on me. Furthermore, Bartimaeus would not be put off no matter how much the crowd tried to keep him from Christ. And that's fitting too. Considering what our Lord says in Matthew 11, verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Meaning violently faithful, violently persistent in their faith are the ones who take the kingdom of heaven. Bartimaeus had a violent faith, persistent, strong, forceful faith, and he would not let go of hoping in Christ. 
As Charles Spurgeon said, his cry of faith was like Jacob's hands that laid hold of God all night and would not let go without a blessing. He believed, and so he kept crying out to the son of David. And now we come to the rest, or rather the result of this persistent crying out to Jesus for mercy. Verse 49. And Jesus stopped. Let's stop there. And Jesus stopped. This has become to me one of the sweetest phrases in this passage. Jesus stopped. Remember how I said that the miracle accounts of our Lord tell us something about his character? We've already seen his person. He is the son of David. Now see his character here. He stopped. For a poor blind beggar, Jesus stopped. He made time for a blind man. He made time for a beggar. And this is amazing. Right? And, and we often we say, well, it's Jesus, of course. Right? He's gonna, of course he's going to stop. Consider this for a moment. Consider all that he had on his mind. He's approaching Jerusalem. He's prophesied his death three times. He knows he's about to be crucified within a few days' time. He was preparing to give himself as a ransom for the many. He was just days away from bearing the full weight of the wrath of God on a cross. Just a few days away from a humiliating, miserable death in front of his mother. Just a few days from the grave. Our Lord must have had so much on his mind, so many weighty things, so much sorrow in his chest, and yet he stopped. He made time still for Bartimaeus. He was concerned for him. He actually cared about him. He wanted to do good for him. Truly, Jesus is the servant of the Lord. This is the glory of our Lord Jesus, that he will make time for even one. Even the lowliest, blindest, most sinful, poorest beggar. Dear sinner, the Lord Jesus will make time for you if you cry out to him. He will always make time for even one sinner who in faith calls out to him for mercy and salvation. He will make time for you. And so you can cry to him. He will stop. He will stop for you. And he will come and help you. He will save you. This is the character of our Lord. The Savior who stops when the blind sinner cries out to him. But he doesn't just stop. Again, verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up. He is calling you. Jesus said, Call him. He commanded that either his disciples or the crowd tell Bartimaeus to come to him right now. And this is what our Lord says to all sinners who desire mercy from him, is it not? I believe it's John 6, 37. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come. You desire mercy? Come. And I know that I keep repeating it, but we need to hear it because I think that this is one of the great themes of this text. Everyone who desires mercy from Jesus, everyone who believes in him, everyone who recognizes their sin and their need, Jesus bids you to come to him. We are not hyper-Calvinists. If you desire mercy, come. 
If a sinner desires mercy from Jesus, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. If you know what a sinner you are and you know that you need mercy from Christ, that you need the forgiveness of sins and salvation that only he brings, then I want you to know this for certain. You have been awakened by the Holy Spirit and Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. By the way, this is the only Jesus calling that you need. Throw the book out. Jesus is calling you. So go to him. As the crowd said to Bartimaeus, I say to you, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Don't remain in your blindness. He is calling you to come to him and be restored. But notice now Bartimaeus' immediate obedience. Verse 50, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. This is a beautiful picture of faith. It's a beautiful picture of how we come to Christ. Jesus says, Come, and he leaps to his feet and immediately goes to Jesus. As fast as a blind man can get to his feet, Bartimaeus got up. And as fast as he could, maybe even only following the voice of the Messiah, he went to Jesus as quickly as possible. Because his sheep hear his voice, and they come to him. And notice that Bartimaeus threw off his cloak. Now this is an interesting detail. He threw off his cloak. This was his outer garment, right? He would have had an undergarment as well. This is a piece of clothing that beggars would spread out in front of them for passers-by to throw money on. Right? You've, you've seen the pictures of that, a beggar with a cloak out, people throwing coins on it and all that. That's his outer garment. This was also probably the only garment that he had to protect himself from the elements. It was his coat. And he would, it would double for him as his blanket at night. His cloak was his most valuable possession, and he throws it aside. Jesus says, come, and he throws it. This is faith. Bartimaeus did not believe that he would need his cloak anymore. Or, at least, he would be able to go and find it later because he would be able to see. Blind people don't generally throw things. How are they going to get it back unless someone helps them find it? Bartimaeus throws his cloak. He believes he's going to see today. This is faith. But see this as well. Bartimaeus left everything when Jesus called him. He didn't have much, but he forsook it all. In his hurry to obey, he laid aside anything that would prolong him coming to Jesus. He didn't want to be hindered. In throwing his cloak aside, it's as if Bartimaeus is saying with his actions, I don't have time to gather up my things. I don't have time to gather up my cloak and put it on. I must go to Jesus now because the Master is calling me now. And this is how we come to Christ. Abandoning every hindrance, we come in faith immediately when he calls us. Abandoning everything else that we might have trusted in, we come to Jesus and now we come to Jesus' interaction with Bartimaeus. Verse 51. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Let me recover my sight. Now this may seem odd to us that Jesus would ask him what he wanted him to do for him. Right? Of course, well, he wants healed, right? But Jesus was encouraging this man and allowing him to express his faith. Did the man think that Jesus could only give him money? Right, Jesus wants him to express his faith for all to hear. How did he want Jesus to have mercy on him? And Bartimaeus answered with great faith. 
First, he called Jesus Rabbani. Now, our translation in the ESV says Rabbi, but it's actually a stronger word here in the original. Rabbani means master, or as the King James Version translates it, Lord. It's a stronger form of the word rabbi. And some scholars argue, and this is just for us to chew on, some scholars argue that rabbani was a word rarely, if ever, used of human teachers, but was used often in prayers to God, referring to God as the great rabbi, the great teacher, the great master, the great Lord. And here, Bartimaeus, like Mary Magdalene in the garden or in the garden tomb area, after Jesus was raised from the dead, uses the same word, Rabboni, Master, Lord. This is faith. He believes that Jesus is no ordinary teacher. He's Rabboni. And more than that, he believes that Jesus is able to heal him. He says, let me recover my sight. And this expresses faith. To request Jesus to heal his blindness, Bartimaeus must first believe that Jesus is able to do it. Right? That Jesus has power and authority to open his eyes. After all, you don't ask someone to do something for you unless you are convinced that they can indeed do it. Right? You don't ask a toddler to help you move a couch. Why? Because you know they can't help you. But you will ask a strong friend to help you because you believe that they are equal to your need. They're equal to the task. And Bartimaeus believes that the son of David is able to heal his blind eyes. And Bartimaeus also shows faith that he believes Jesus is compassionate and willing to help him. After all, you don't ask someone for help unless you believe that they might be willing to help you. You don't ask a stranger to help you with something serious. Why? Because they might not do it. They might be unwilling. But you do ask a compassionate friend to help you because you know that they are willing to be compassionate and come to your aid. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was able and willing to heal him. And so, in faith, he makes his requests known. He asks the son of David to have mercy on him and heal him. And once again, this is a picture of how sinners are to come to Christ. Believing that he is able to put away your sin. Believing that he has done all that was necessary in his life, death, and resurrection in order to save your soul. And we come to Jesus also believing that he is a willing Savior. That he is willing and compassionate enough to do what we need done. To save us. And now we see the result of such faith in verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus was healed. Immediately he recovered his sight. And our text says he was made well. It's interesting. This, the Greek word underlying that phrase, made well, means saved you. Sozo is the word there. Your faith has saved you, is what the text literally reads. And that word sozo can be used, I want to be honest, it can be used to describe physical wellness. And it is often, especially in miracle accounts. But it can also be used to refer to spiritual salvation, as it's used elsewhere in the New Testament. And I think that our Lord means both here. 
Bartimaeus came to Jesus in faith and received both his physical and spiritual sight. Both his body and soul were made whole by the Lord Jesus in an instant. Your faith has saved you. And I want you to see here that Bartimaeus' physical and spiritual salvation was by faith alone. That shouldn't be lost on us here. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Now, let's flesh this out for a moment. It's clear that Jesus made him well. It was Jesus who saved him. Jesus did it for him. But faith, believing on Jesus, was the means by which Bartimaeus received it. Faith was the empty hand by which Bartimaeus received his healing. And that's how all men are saved by Christ. By faith alone. By faith alone. Bartimaeus believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he was saved. And I want you to notice that this salvation came to Bartimaeus immediately. That's what the text says. Immediately. Jesus did not make him wait. Jesus did not make him sweat it out. Jesus did not make him do any meritorious acts. Jesus didn't make him earn it. Bartimaeus himself said, I don't deserve it. Have mercy upon me. So Jesus wasn't going to make him earn it. Bartimaeus simply in faith cried out for mercy, came to Christ, and was made whole in every way in an instant. No works on his behalf. Only faith in Christ. Like Charles Spurgeon said once again, it was as quick as a flash of lightning in the sky and Bartimaeus was saved by faith. And this is how Jesus deals with all sinners who come to him. Not by our works. Not by our merits. For we have none. We're blind. We're sinners. We've done nothing. We're helpless. We're needy. So it must be by faith. And not by merit. Sinner, simply believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and he will save you. He promises. But maybe you're sitting there thinking that I'm stretching the text a bit and that Bartimaeus was only made well physically. Right? Maybe you're skeptical of what I've been saying. Let me give you more evidence that Bartimaeus was saved eternally. Upon his healing, what did Jesus say to him? Go your way. Go your way. That is, go wherever you would like. Go your way. Go do what you want to do. You can see now, if you want to go see your parents, if they're still alive, go see them. You want to go see the city that you've, never, that you've not been able to see in years? Go, go see that. You, go, you want to go see your friends? Go. Go wherever you want to go. Go your way. And where did Bartimaeus go? Our text says he followed him on the way. Bartimaeus became a disciple that day. He began to follow Jesus wherever Jesus went. His way became Jesus' way. His way became the way of Christ. His path became wherever Jesus was leading him. Bartimaeus received salvation from Christ. And being a changed man who could now see in every sense of the word began to follow him because he could see now Jesus is glorious. I must follow him. I want to follow him. I've been set free. He's done so much for me. I don't want to be with anyone else. I'll, I'll, I'll leave my family behind in Jericho. I have to go wherever he is. And this is how discipleship works. We come to Christ. 
He has mercy on us, and then we follow him on the way. He was saved. Allow me now to summarize what we've seen in this text. Bartimaeus came to Jesus only with his need. He came with nothing else. What else did he have? He was poor, blind, and helpless. He had nothing to bring Jesus. All he had was the hope of mercy from Jesus Christ. So he cried out to the son of David for mercy. And Jesus heard, stopped, called, and saved him. Sinner, and I am talking to all of us, come to Jesus with your neediness. Come to him with your neediness. That's all you need to come. That's the requirement to come, actually. If you come to him any other way, he will not have you. If you come to him boasting your merits and abilities, he will not stop for you. If you come to him asking for what you deserve, he will do nothing for you. But if you come to him in weakness, blindness, sinfulness, but with a desire for mercy from him, then he will have mercy on you. All you need to come to Christ is a sense of your sinfulness and need coupled with faith that he can make you whole and he will surely have mercy on you. As Jesus himself said in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So come to the Son of David. Cry out to him in faith. Please hear me. He made time for Bartimaeus, and he is the unchanging God. He is still the same today. He will make time for you as well. Cry out to him to take away your blindness, to take away your sin, and he will do it. And once receiving mercy from him, follow this Jesus who made you whole. Follow him. Make your way his way. Follow him in all he commands, in all he does, in all that he sets before you, no matter what it costs. That's the only proper response to such compassion and mercy given to you, a poor, blind beggar. Follow him wherever he goes. In conclusion, let me say again, the son of David has mercy on all who come to him. And those who receive his mercy follow him on the way. May God make it so with us. Amen. Let's pray. Our great God, we thank you for your word once again. Your word that encourages us and reminds us time and time again that you are the God of our salvation who bids us to come. So Lord, I pray that each one of us would come to you. If there's an unconverted person among us, I pray that they would see their blindness by your grace, that your spirit would awaken them as you did Bartimaeus, and that they would see Jesus as their only hope. 
God, if we have any false professors among us, those who are falsely professing Christians, help them to see that Jesus will still have mercy on them even if they falsely profess the faith for years. If now they will come to him, Jesus will save them. And God, for those of us who already have come to Christ and received justification from him, Help us to continually every day cry out to the Son of David for continued mercy because we are still sinners and we still need forgiveness. We're maybe not completely blind anymore, Lord, but often our sight is blurry and we need a touch from Christ that we might see more clearly each day. So teach us, God, those who believe in the Son of David already to continually cry out to him. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the merciful Messiah, the Son of God, who has mercy on us who call to you. And we praise you. We ask, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.